Yeah, yeah, that's good. So different from what we do. <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for myself, for my introduction, I'm um, I'm a chief engineer building a yacht. Um, I've worked for many different um, owners. Uh, Russian, Abinash, you know, Abu Dhabi, um, UAE uh, families, uh, you know, some of the biggest high profile people in the world. I can imagine. So, um, so, and this, this project here. Um, so I understand about the security because of, of, of course, I've interacted with many uh, different uh, Russian um, UEE security situations. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, so yeah, so it's lovely to meet you. I'm glad to have you guys. So in general, I think that uh, we have several different cards with different questions. We are not going to go through all of them as we probably won't have enough time, but let's go through the bare basics. I think that most yeah. of the guests or potential audience might uh, simply don't know who you are. So uh, ideally, we'll start with some kind of quick introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you want to start? Yeah, let's do it. You're let's on. start then. You're on. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> So, yeah, it's mostly the question about the background. When exactly have you joined the industry? How many years have you spent there? Uh, without going into too much details, uh, what would you do differently if you would start once again? That kind of basic advices for uh, all the younger people within our audience. Um, sorry, can you repeat that, please? Sorry. Okay, no problem. So, I asked uh, to try to uh, ask you gently to summarize your background. Ideally, we will try to mention when have you started the industry in the industry why have you started and how did you get in uh, maybe some advices about things that you would have done differently if you would start once again okay. back in the days so i i started at um year um probably i was 12 years old no that's amazing then um at 16 went to um the nautical college mm -hmm. Yep. In 2000 and uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was 19. Uh, let, let, let's just say uh, four years later, I qualified as a junior engineer. Mm -hmm. And then we had then to go into uh, an industry, a commercial industry. Um, but yeah, the, 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 that's more than okay. What about you, Adrian? I'm kind of new in uh, in York scene. I started three years ago, but before that, I was doing more uh, AVIT systems for residentials back in London. But before that, I was uh, an electrician. I was working. I'm from Romania, so I was work, uh, working for a company back in Romania, which we were doing. Uh, Automation systems for high voltage power plants, mm -hmm. which totally different for <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can yeah. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah. 
But yeah, in the end, what most people in the industry don't realize that the, the world has changed and it's not longer about you know the proper education, it's mostly about the skills. You don't need great care to yeah. so uh, you can see it even you know on your example, you acquired necessary skills needed to do the job. Your background, you know, truly doesn't matter. You're you know, you might have a special diploma that you can just uh, I don't know, like attach to your wall and mention that you had something related to the marine industry, but in general, it's simply about the skills. And I believe that more and more people in the position to hire potential employees start to finally realize. Yeah, it's kind of like this, because uh, I, I do tend to believe in this industry, you need to skills, more skills. It's useless that you have a bachelor degree, but don't have a clue of yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very common. You can see it, unfortunately, yeah, I know. the I have friends. I have friends who they are like guru masters in Cisco servers. They don't have any degrees, any master's degrees, any bachelor's degree, you know, but they just learned it as a skill. Because I, I, I think you need to love your job, what you do. Yeah, you know? yeah I would say that uh, we already had the you know, housing bubble revolution. Okay, we had the uh, industrial revolution. We already had the technological revolution. The other one, uh, which will probably happen very soon, will be the educational one. So people realize that the idea of one guy teaching like 200 people from an auditorium, it worked 200 years ago, but nowadays there are much more efficient ways to share the knowledge with the world. The, that's why online education became uh, much more popular nowadays. I believe that if I would like to learn some new skill, for example, something about the fluid dynamics, the hell I'm going to college. I would probably check some, you know, curriculum from Caltech or MIT or whatever yeah. other publicly available source. I'd love to speak to you about uh, fluid dynamics and things like that. Yes, yeah, that would be cool. It's, it's so important. Um, you know, and, and just to reiterate, um, you know, Adrian's um, concept, it doesn't matter about the the um, education, but you need to have the the concept of the the matter as well. So, yes. well, and and so while we're studying uh, the stud, you know, uh, quantum physics, I'm personally studying quantum physics and quantum matter. Mm -hmm. um, what I realized quite early on is that. You know, you need to, when I went to a shipyard as a chief engineer unlimited, um, you know, the, the, the commercially, the top of my game, really. But when I went into the shipyard at, at 29 years old, they didn't really understand the, the concept yeah, I had more than enough jobs once. I've been hired on a senior position simply to advise, you know, the CTO or the delivery manager or some uh, person on a relatively high position. Then they asked me to do X. I did X and they yelled at me because I didn't do Y. You just don't want to work in that kind of environment. The, the sanity yeah. is worth yeah, yeah, much more. Yeah. yeah. So when I went in, so I thought to myself, right, okay, I'm going to through... Um, a, de a degree course, and um, I'm going to be a superintendent, and uh, you know I've achieved all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so 
you know, I'm I'm here to support uh, Adrian in 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 his progression, and hopefully, I can do that. Yeah, the, that's very important. I would say that the main advice I have for all the younger people across our audience is uh, basically to accept the things you couldn't change, have the courage to change all those things that you can, but be smart yeah. enough to know the difference. Like you don't control the market. If you would like to make money, ideally you need to do whatever society wants you to do. And it might be suboptimal, but uh, you can't really influence it. You can try to help it, but you know, don't try to put your entire life at risk and your career, make some relatively risky decisions uh, if you don't have enough uh, of a financial buffer, simply trying to you know, be too noble. Yeah, yeah. So I will pass it over to, we've been introduced now and very nice to meet you. So, Thank you very much. And, um, it, you know, pass it over to Adrian. Uh, what about me? <laughs> Try to introduce it. <laughs> We were talking about the uh, the background in general. The background yeah, for all the people that uh, have heard it's about. It's kind of interesting because you know I get I get this kind of questions many many times for from uh, from friends from friends. Mm -hmm. They saw my my, my progress in uh, and my development in the in the industry and they don't really get it. How how do you how do you manage to learn or how do you Teach yourself to, to move on when I'm a father, I have a four-year-old kid, I got a family, I work, study, family, home, rock climbing, <laughs> hobbies, school. So I do everything in the same bubble. And people mm -hmm. are asking, how do you manage to do it? It's very simple. You need to allocate yourself half an hour every day to look for new stuff, to understand, to understand things. And what you have on like, for example, uh, I think we are a similar age, 36. <laughs> yeah, think. 25, but uh, I guess. But anyway, we, our generation, we grew up with the development of technology. Yeah. I remember when, when I was a kid, I was nine, nine, when my father brought me my HC 91 with basic, basic 48 language was like, wow, this is amazing. It's like out of this world, you know, <laughs> where you had a magnetic tape uh, games, you were literally writing code. That was something brilliant. This, the Spectrum. Um, oh, the Commodore 64. No, before that. Before I don't know before that. You're older than me then. <laughs> I like that you brought it up because I believe that uh, you can see it, especially some of those uh, older executives, not all of them, but I believe that those that are at the top of their game, they realize that an average person nowadays at the age of 18 has more knowledge than they managed to acquire before the age of 30, simply because, you know, Gen Z, we've been having access to the internet since the very beginning. Every single time when we haven't been sure about yeah. something, we just look it up. People haven't had that opportunity 30, 40 years ago at our age. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the main point, because they have it and they don't use it. Yeah, I would say that. I tend to believe 60% of the people, they're using internet only for social media. They don't know nothing else more than that. Uh, I don't want to, let's say, go with too many discussions about uh, why does it happen, etc. I have some opinions of mine about the different concept of the public education. Yeah, I'm sure, because you're more into, into the IT business. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> so let's summarize the very simple conclusion. Yeah. Not it's available online. It's all about the skills and all the other employees, they might ask you for specific certifications on all the progressive credentialism. Uh, it's just, I don't, know, don't try to adapt. I believe that try to do the very minimum. You know, some people ask you to create uh, and uh, pass some new certifications every three months, which is something else by a money maker for vendors. Get the knowledge related to those certifications curriculum by any means. But I don't really you know, subscribe to the idea of spending 500 euro on some exam, which will basically ask you to memorize some books. I passed some different certifications from uh, all sorts yeah. of vendors in the past, simply because I've been asked for it in a corporate there environment. Are some, there, there are a couple of... Uh, I can see the same in the acting. There are, there are, no, no, there, there are a few boards, a few boards in the industry, which they make you to get yourself certified by them. I won't mention any names, but I'm uh, sure... We know their names, so it doesn't know, uh, But I won't mention, but if you don't have my certification, you are not an AVIT recognized uh, engineer or technician. Wait a minute, I got like 10, 15 years of experience. You can't tell me if I'm, <laughs> if I'm yeah, I, or not. The, I think that uh, the other day I checked uh, some kind of uh, yacht crew related portal just to check, you know, what can we expect. I then created an account with some fake name and surname. And uh, I seen all the requirements. They basically ask you to use certifications. There are like a couple of dozens of them. And I checked the curriculum of one of them related to IT because I basically control uh, F for the IT world. And then uh, after the company sent me the very curriculum of it, they tried to introduce you and teach you about you know what is IP and those very basic concepts. And then some, unfortunately, some uh, managers. We can you know I don't want to roast too many people in the podcast. It's not the very goal of it. But uh, the biggest issue nowadays with the industry is the managers decided that they just don't want to manage. They, they want to have that position, but they outsource hiring people, which is, in my opinion, the main responsibility of the manager. Make sure that the right people are in your team and they outsource it to the third party, some kind of, you know, not even internal company HR department, but even some third party recruiters. And they have their own interest in mind. They will be the inferior candidate. So they can make their commission instead of recommending the best one. Hopefully that sinks and hopefully people yeah, understand yeah. it. We know, yeah. we know the situation. Yeah. <laughs> this type of manager. Nevertheless, uh, let's stop. Uh, <laughs> can we change subject? Can yeah, we change yeah. subject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know this. So uh, let me ask uh, one of the basic opening questions as well. Okay. What do you believe uh, was the biggest uh, impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the industry, cybersecurity-wise? Um, would you like me to respond first? Yeah, sure. Okay. I think the basic, um, from the, the, the very first um, epidemic, mm -hmm. you know, we, we were together, Adrian and I, and we had to... Uh, you know, travel to Rome to get uh, a flight, and we saw five cars, a, a deer on the on the on the road. Mm -hmm. we, we 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 managed it together. We we you know it's it's you know it's quite a, and it was so difficult. Um, so I would say the formalities of. Um, a normal home life was really, really tough. 
and okay. to, to miss your uh, family is uh, is a big one. But we, you know, created a, you know, a, a really lovely community here. Um, yeah. No, so that yeah, that's uh, kind of not related to cybersecurity, but in terms of family, I truly really believe that you basically need to make the right decisions and choices in life, even if you approach it mathematically. If you put your career first, if you want it or not, you put your family second. Hopefully, there is nothing new in between. So, you know, if you decide to bring children into this world, start family, etc., you don't even need to make that much money. I strongly recommend all the future parents there to budget enough so they can uh, downscale, get some kind of remote job or even work part-time and try to spend the first, let's say, 15 years raising the children. I hopefully, you know, we'll bring the idea of the nuclear families from the United States yeah. in the 50s back to yeah. Europe in 2020. Or in no, the that's good. I, I, I'd like um, Adrian to uh, just just expand on that as well and, and, and tell Tell him his experience uh, to you. No, so I'm not really sure. It's your question about was about how what do I think about cybersecurity? How this cybersecurity? So my question was about the impact of the pandemic on the cybersecurity postures of different vessels that you haven't. Uh, I literally didn't have any feedback of mm -hmm. any sort of attacks or whatever. My only my <laughs> my only issues which I can tell you <laughs> was my my internet doesn't work. Why I don't have any Wi-Fi when I'm on toilet and not when I'm, <laughs> I'm in bed, you know? <laughs> this kind yeah, of issues. But uh, security wise no 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 you haven't noticed any changes. So no, no, because literally, uh, I, usually we we as a company, as a build company, we tend to make our systems, our IT, AVIT systems, very safe with a couple of layers of firewalls, and uh, this is only for our from our side for control. But then every owner, mm -hmm. uh, their own IT department, IT guy. Who comes and they're, uh, uh, they will come and install their own uh, servers, and I'm sure they are pretty much safe. Okay, so you mentioned that you are currently close to some kind of shipyard, and uh, in my understanding, every single boat needs to perform some kind of maintenance, either uh, minor seasonal maintenance or major every, for example, three to five years. Am I right? In a, in a shipyard or uh, out on the sea? Whatever, in general, in the industry. Yeah. Basically, owners or whoever manages the boat tries to keep it in shape. I also presume that during the maintenance period, they are trying to upgrade the boats and implement uh, all the newest uh, birds and whistles from the industry, marine-wise. Am I right? Ish, ish. Usually, the, usually they are looking for more bandwidth. Mm -hmm. But security-wise, uh, less. So I'm talking about in the past three years, where in the project where I've been involved, security-wise, we didn't do any major upgrades. But uh, entertainment, yes. Yeah. Yes. So it basically, 
kind of and make, make it work for streaming, you know, bandwidth. And now, now I know there's a company who's uh, who brought out. Uh, I'm not sure. No, uh, they, they were advertising that uh, they have their own routers where they uh, can get 5G. That's this. This is off, a VPN. Offshore? No, 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 no. Another company. It was. Okay. Popping on LinkedIn once in a while. Oh, and, uh, the word advertise is uh, you know, yeah, and I don't know how it how, how it come, but they they advertise with a picture of one of the yachts which I made the whole AVIT system on it. Oh, wait a minute, that's my boat. I built that system, so and I know what systems uh, we use on uh, over there. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to mention any you know yeah, company. Sure and brand or whatever but i know the system which we use for uh, 3g 4g communication and wireless so basically the a couple of days after wait a minute something's not right <laughs> yeah what would um 100 um so if, if i said to you um 100 megabytes i mean i'm i'm not a AVIT special, you know. Yeah. But that, that's what we had. 100 meg over 3G, 4G. Yes. And it was good. It was. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna look on, on the expenses as well. How much would you pay? Um, oh, the vessel I, pay. I know. Couple exactly, of grand. <laughs> I know exactly what we was paying. And then 20. But now, now what's very important and why, what I think it will be very important and again, mm -hmm. regarding cybersecurity and uh, in telecommunications over, over yachts, mm -hmm. of uh, VSAT telecommunications. Yeah. So, I think mean, that's already a standard, isn't it? Yes, but uh, it's still an expensive standard. Oh, okay, people will still look for the alternatives. So due to the fact that yeah. you are mostly, let's say, within the AVIT circle, yeah. uh, I think that most of the, okay, so let's put it differently. Cybersecurity is almost always a compromise between the convenience and, uh, let's say, the, the security of the infrastructure. And because the main job of any kind of YAG, either charter or privately owned, is to keep whoever uses it happy. Have you ever experienced some kind of uh, priority issues in a way that you try to discourage or delay the implementation of certain entertainment solution, just find yourself with some additional security measures or concerns? Yeah, but then, uh, I don't know, sometimes uh, it will affect the some of the, the products which they, they work over network some protocols of a network, right? So it's mostly about the the priority, because in general, if you consider security... No, you give security. priorities, you, you, you give priorities, but uh, there are some products which they don't really work if you don't give them the right protocols. Yeah, so what about the products which haven't been designed with the security in mind, and despite the fact that it yeah. might be very convenient to use them, Will, you, will any of you ever try to you know, convince the owner or the manager of the boat that I'm, it might not be yeah, right? But yeah, I'm, I'm asking you something else. Yes. When, you, when you get, uh, I don't know, to a job, to, to a, how, how do you call it, a job uh, auction? Assignment? Where, 
no, where you have to make your quotes, no, for your for your job. Okay, so so, uh, so a, a, quote, every, a quotation. Yeah, right? I believe every every client has his own clients. You yeah. can call it call them clients. Every client has his own budget for every type of package. It's not even about the budget. Like the main point that I was trying to make is that a lot of people they don't have the proper cybersecurity mindset and they don't really care about it despite the fact that they should. So if you compare cybersecurity and AVAT, I believe that every single boat needs and wants AVAT, but not every single boat really wants security despite the fact that it needs it. I think that this is a nice way to put it. No, they, they do they do want it, but uh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, you know. Depends on the client, because there are clients when they are very paranoid, you know, and uh, it's different. And usually companies who they, uh, they provide cybersecurity or security for vessels, they are providing like personal security as well and yeah. security systems yeah. separate. Yeah. I think, no, I've been involved in one project where there was a yeah. specific company which they were building dealing only with the security of the vessel right so security personal uh, yeah. any yeah. my other question is related to some kind of security breaches that you might have heard of and what kind of security breaches with the marine sector are being discussed across the industry based on your opinion because you had quite a lot of I never heard. Did you had any security breaches, like hacks, <laughs> hacks into your systems? Yeah, I was. Um, I was actually uh, in. Um, in uh, let me let me think now. Sure. Um, I was in Turkey. Mm -hmm. from the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. You know, done many researches. And then we were sat on, on board, and I don't know, I'm telling you the um, um, is it okay. What do you uh, to trust? Oh, yeah, well, okay, cool, cool. Keep in mind, guys, if that goes public, it will be no, no, no. I, I, I'm, I just, you know, I have um, a personal responsibility as well. Um, sure. So we were in Turkey. I just brought a, a ship back from. Um, so I just be, been back from uh, Oman to to, uh, to to Turkey, from Turkey to Greece, and then Greece. We had two of the biggest super yachts in the world, and we had um, an email to say that there was a bomb on board the boat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not cybersecurity per se, but we need to know what's coming on board. And um, Yeah, but the email, what, where did it come from? Exactly. So we need to know where this is a cybersecurity. Yeah. So, do you know more about it? Can you share more details? For example, was it sent from the domain of some of the service providers? Um, we couldn't find that information out because it came from a, a different source. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have that integrity 
And so we all sat on the beach at two o'clock in the morning with the owner, playing the guitar. I'm wondering if the bump is through or not. Yeah. No, I went back to the boat. I swam back to the boat. There's 100 crew. But have people evacuated? Like, uh, was yeah, it totally. You have to, when you get this kind of threats, you have to first get everybody off. off. Yep, that's the standard procedure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <clears throat> I'm really curious about the response to that kind of security event. What has happened? Has uh, the owner hired some kind of forensic team to perform a proper investigation, or have people simply disregarded it? No, what, what happened was that there was an email sent or a, a phone call sent to, um, to, to us. Mm -hmm. so we then very, very nicely said to the guests, of course, we, we said, look, we've got a security alert. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we're going to go to the beach. Um, we had to anchor the boat, the other boat. I mean, I'd already been up in, in the mountain looking mm -hmm. at, looking at goats and sheep and things like that. <sighs> so when I came back to the boat, I said, uh, you know, this is a, this is a, a, a little bit of a problem. <laughs> so we all, Hundred of us got off the boat as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. I uh, swam back to the boat. Um, made sure everything was. Uh, I, I found two. I found two um, bags under the bulwark, mm -hmm. and I thought that was quite suspicious. Yeah, it's supposed to bring your attention. But so there was only me on there. So I said to the. But you didn't call any authorities? Yeah. 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 So we, we, we called authorities. I went, I went back to the boat as a senior position. Um, but so, yeah. So, yeah. That was an interesting experience. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you brought this. Most of the people, they might have heard about some kind of similar situations across the industry. But like, despite the fact that it had quite a lot of security breaches, and I'm talking even about some regions, sorry, recent breaches, like the, I think, uh, IMO has been breached in October 2020. A lot of ransomware attacks has happened for, uh, across different kinds of companies. And uh, even, uh, I think, the... CM, uh, CMA CGM, which is the relatively big uh, transportation rated company, the, they've been uh, ransomed as well. Also, uh, I think that I even created a list somewhere. If you go through it, only in 2020, we had minimum one uh, security breach per month, and those are only the breaches that have been disclosed. I truly believe that within the IT industry, because it's all about the PR and the reputation, and every single boat wants potential guests to believe that it's as secure as it can be. They would simply prefer to pay potential ransomers and just keep the situation quiet. And even if you think about the new IMO resolution, uh, the 2021 January, the one which will basically enforce uh, certain 
not enforce. They basically recommend certain cybersecurity standards. And uh, this is the biggest difference between the European GDPR, for example. Because once the GDPR been launched, they made it very clear that here's the list of the requirements, people. You either comply or uh, here are the fees. I think that uh, the company simply did some calculations and simply paying those fees uh, wasn't feasible uh, <laughs> for sure in a long time. So they haven't had any choice but to comply. In case of the yacht industry or the marine industry in general, and IMO's guidance, I think that first of all, it affects mostly the, or only, the boats uh, with more than 500 uh, gross tonnage. But I believe that it shouldn't really matter. Like, IMO did a good thing trying to, let's say, address the problem. And whatever they recommend, this is a very minimum set of requirements. All the people supposed to take this into account and for sure meet uh, the recommendations of IMO, but also uh, perform some additional steps. They just need to realize that the consequences of disregarding the security is not only potential security breach or the ransomware attack. Even if you don't uh, like, you know, see your skin locked uh, with the ransomware message on it, and your security infrastructure simply isn't quite there. It's, uh, I would say, normal that nearly on a daily basis, some external actors basically visit your network and disappear, collecting whatever data they want and clean. And a lot of people, you know, they, they don't see anything. Obviously, if you don't uh, want to spend a tremendous amount of money on the entire, uh, let's say, monitoring system. Once you decide to implement the monitoring of the SIM, IDS, IPS, DLP, storage analysis, threat intelligence, the, all of that, you will notice a lot of alerts nearly immediately, especially if you are a high-end target. And most of the people, I wouldn't justify the kind of expense, but at least uh, I would hardly advise for the people to, let's say, keep open mind and do some kind of cost-benefit analysis based on the reality. Because if you don't uh, base your decisions, especially related to the IT infrastructure on the reality, you just cannot do them right. So another question is related to uh, your experience based on the person who has the most to say if it comes to the security of the IT infrastructure. If we compare the captain, the chief engineer, the owner, and for example, the AVIT person who manages the entire infrastructure, or even the fifth, uh, let's say, uh, factor, which is the external uh, agency that manages the entire IT system, like Bond or something similar. In case something happens, and there is a disagreement between all uh, five of them, which is the captain, the chief engineer, the AVIT person, the owner, and the company that manages the IT infrastructure, then who will make the final decision? Has it ever happened in your professional career? when uh, you had people which are responsible for the vessel from, let's say, different angles, yeah, and they said, the of course. But yeah, but now there's a, an ETO who's an officer and he's a senior uh, senior officer. And mm -hmm. he should be responsible for all of the IT, cybersecurity or electronics on board. Everything was happening on board, is it? Yes. Isn't it the, the captain? The NITIO has so every, uh, every, every week and power over the captain for his decision um, what we, regarding what? cybersecurity or uh, IT infrastructure. Yeah, so the IT infrastructure would go through myself mm -hmm. and go through the chief the, engineer. Yeah, 
of course. Um, and then that would be um, uh, backed up on a database and uh, filed every, every, every week. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that we both know how it works by the book, let's say. But at the same time, you know, the reality doesn't always arrive. So we might have even uh, like imagine that uh, I think that I brought that example several times already. If there's some kind of storm and the owners, you know, wants the boat to say in a particular direction, the captains might disagree. The owner has all the power to, you know, fire the captain on the spot. It's not like that he should. But uh, some similar situations must have happened in the IT, especially in. Uh, based on your experience, Adrian. Once you had a certain opinion about, uh, for example, the implementation or the security aspect of the particular AVIT system, as every single entertainment-related software, you know, they, they are focused on entertainment, not the security, let's be honest. Okay, so what would, that, that's, a, that's um, an absolute discretion, and um, what would normally happen would, if, if the owner wanted to have something um screened and believe me you have to make it happen yeah know, I, I can. so you know working with um various clients in the past we, we've managed to make it happen um but it's it's happened safely um but on board what we need is is to have basically the crew um, a little bit let's say isolated from what the owner is doing mm -hmm. yes yeah, yeah, for the sake of privacy obviously yes yeah but in the same time you've got a security system who surveils every single move yeah no yeah yeah, and also the uh, the CCTV systems you were asking earlier, no? That's an in-network uh, in system only. It doesn't go outside. Yeah, no, not by design, of course, but so, that, for example, I think that I had that discussion uh, during my last podcast with the Rasgas. There are plenty of things that, uh, let's say, can be taken advantage out of if you have the right set of skill sets. A lot of yeah. both implement uh, plenty of IoT solutions. And you know, none of the IoT devices is designed to be vulnerable by default. No, but you need the internet to give a ping, to give a ping and get a response in order to, to work. That's yeah, why but, if you're uh, in the ocean, uh, yeah. you need to have everything ready. That's why, uh, for example, I give you a very funny example. On my last build, uh, I think we spoke on the, on the phone about Omnion. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but... So anyway, uh, on this last build, I get this uh, deckhand or junior engineer coming to me. Hey, John, could you please uh, train me how to upload the uh, movies uh, into the server? All right, then. Take pen and paper, laptop, and I'll show you. I'll show him a couple of DVDs. Next morning, he's coming up with six plastic bags full of Blu-rays. Like, oh. So, hundreds of movies, hundreds, maybe not thousands, but hundreds. I told them, mate, I give you six months, six months to upload these movies. 
In the past eight months, <laughs> eight months we've met again, haven't finished, not yet. So literally it's taking a lot of time because there, there are clients. So basically his boss, his boss, he wanted to have his own Blu-rays on his server. He didn't want any streaming services, you know, and usually you get, you get this, uh, this kind of clients. You just want to have your own. When you're out, I want to have everything, you know, every single movie, library, series, or whatever. Coming back, coming back to connections. That's why the, uh, now the root, the 3G, 4G companies, 5G, <laughs> they are uh, developing more, more bandwidth because when you are on shore, close to the coast, you have a, a very good connection. Yeah. So you manage to download, you manage to use uh, streaming services. Like there are a couple of uh, companies so they, uh, they use the streaming services for yachting, not for residential, for yachting with, with licenses and subscriptions. I guess that it works the same, same time, but in the same time. time. Sorry? I guess that it works in the same way as in case of residential buildings, but it's simply twice as expensive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You got different customers. <laughs> no, because in the same time that you have that subscription with this uh, media streaming company, yeah. you manage to download your movie and you have it on your server. It's licensed yeah. on you, on your boat. And then you can go wherever you want. So. Mm -hmm. Slowly, I see slowly that they're trying to get rid of uh, ingestion servers and uh, Blu-ray players, but still, there's still requests of Blu-ray players <laughs> on every single vault. We've got Blu-ray players. Yeah, but the, the times have changed, guys. I think that uh, recently I watched the podcast with uh, Will, the, the founder of Bond, on the channel called... Uh, Life after Yakni or something like that. And he basically mentioned that when he started, he was handling things like the VHS and, uh, you know, it's no longer there, the technology adapts. Who is that? Was it um, Will? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I met Will in uh, 2000 and, um, uh, 2006. Yeah, but it was in the 90s. I refer to the very beginning of his career. Yeah, That's whatever he mentioned during the podcast. Yeah, it was um, yeah, and he, he changed a lot, a lot of things. So, so as far as I understand, the biggest problem, the main job, is to keep the owner happy. Unfortunately, like sometimes you need to deliver bad news. Let's say, for example, you know, the owner wants uh, a, and you basically try to discourage him for his own good. Has it ever happened to you guys? Or do you like do all the people? I know a story. I, I heard a story. What? Probably many, many chief engineers, they, they heard it, uh, mm -hmm. where um, we, we have this brilliant ETO, you know, very smart ETO on a, on a very good yacht, somewhere mm -hmm. in the Indian Ocean, where the owner, he wanted to watch his favorite uh, soccer game. Because they were in a very awkward place of the earth geographically, they, they couldn't get signal for the satellite. Was that on the sea band? No. I it's, it's a legend, you know, an urban, yeah. <laughs> urban legend. 
So they couldn't, probably it's true, you know, they couldn't get any signal. And literally the, the ETO explains to the owner, look, we are out of the range of the set main satellite, which uh, will provide signal for this, the satellites of, uh, of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can do nothing about it. Donor, no, I cannot accept this kind of answer. You fired. You, you fired. Like, you are swimming with the sharks. Right. Right. Anyway, yeah, uh, comes uh, comes on board. Okay, give me the solution for this problem. I want to watch my game. I'm somewhere where I don't have any signal. You've got two options. We either gonna move the boat 100 nautical miles east or whatever north, or you're gonna move the satellite. Move the satellite. satellite. Move the satellite. Exactly. (laughs) How much does it cost? Two million. Move it. (laughs) Those like. We are talking about seriously ultra wealth uh, individuals because even for all those people, they realize that they can invest that two million properly and you know like double in a matter of week probably. But there, there are people. I, I do tend to believe that there are clients like this, you know, who they like no, I don't care. You make it happen. I think I, that it depends because your position or the needs to be well defined. Imagine that. No, the owner hires uh, a security guard, the personal one. And then he does whatever security guard says. The security guard advises not to go to you know, this favela in Caracas. I guess the owner stays put. But uh, in case of aviated or IT people in general, the owner might want something for the sake of his own convenience. But then if it has been properly defined in your contract, you have the let's say, power and uh, privilege to gently no, disagree with him and try to explain why this is a good idea and uh, present him all the security issues related to it, then uh, I guess he's supposed to do it. What do you think? What is the, the industry standard, let's say? Most of the people, I presume, are so-called yes-men, so, so they just they, they tell them whatever they want to keep. Am I right? No. Or not um, always? Um, you know, sometimes you have to say no to the client and sometimes you have to say, you know, we'll do our best and sometimes you can say yes. Or um, sometimes you just give them the answer, what they want to hear, and you still do it your own way, you know, yeah. just let them know what they want to hear. Yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one. I know, I ask only simple questions. Yeah, it's all good. Um, and I know that specific client um, quite well, mm-hmm. who um, changed the satellite. Well, that, that was pretty interesting, to be honest. I would have, okay, I would have assumed that moving the boat would probably be an option, but I would have never assumed that somebody would. Uh, satellite we, yeah, we, went from, we went from VSAT to C band, and mm-hmm. yeah, um, anyway. Yeah, so I know the client pretty well. Um, so do you believe in some kind of, uh, let's say, uh, information security shaming might be coming? The way that across all those, uh, let's say, even owners of their gas, people will start to realize that somebody sees, uh, you know, a bad security practice, even among those guys. And then one points to another that, you know, you're supposed to fix it and they will simply educate themselves and try to start to understand the importance of security pointing uh, the flows between okay i i i will i will just give a a, a small example 
Mm -hmm. I was in the um, in in the uh, UEA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everything is very very tight there. You know. You, uh, I know. I you, you know, you can't do anything. So um, we needed to put a infrastructure in place so the crew couldn't do X, Y, and Z, but the owner could have everything, mm -hmm. you know, um, internet-wise. So... You yeah. mean accessing certain websites? And, uh... Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, and so we had to restrict everybody, you know. So, you know, you can't go on. I mean, I would have loved to have, you know, porn sites and things like that. It would have been no, beautiful. But it... we, we do, I, I think we do, we do restrict this by default. Yeah. By default. Uh, yeah, yeah. As, as long as we yeah. understand what proxies, I guess you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by default, we, we have this uh, in our uh, thing, task, things to do. Our IT department yeah. sets up. Uh, the, the, another, uh, another good question that comes to my mind, and this one is mostly uh, targeted towards Richard. How do you compare yeah. the security on board older builds versus new builds? Especially, you know, due to the fact that you've been in that for 20 plus years. Um, okay, so I worked with um, some of the, the, the highest um, grade security in the world. Mm -hmm. We had Gurkhas, we had um, 10 Gurkhas on board. We had a proper security SAS. Mm -hmm. Um, SBS, some of the top, top security in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that is how it worked. And uh, has it happened? The, the main question was about the difference on older builds versus newer builds. It's kind of obvious that new builds try to put more emphasis into making sure that everything meets the, the standard. Year that uh, the boat has been picked. So imagine that a new build. Uh, at the moment, it's just me and Adrian. Okay. So, no, um, you know, the, the... it's difficult, you know, because for a refit, for mm -hmm. an old, you need to get the infrastructure in place. Imagine yeah. you, you can get, you can get the, uh, a boat old, I don't know, 10, 20 years old. Which well, I think we're gonna have to see one soon. Mm -hmm. Imagine they they still have Cat five cables uh, within a network infrastructure from. Yeah, so so the main question of mine from the beginning, I think that I might have failed to address it properly. But imagine that we have those older boats which are twenty plus years. Uh, old. And then uh, the time for uh, major remodeling comes. So let's say every five years the boat needs to go through the proper maintenance from top to bottom. Would they ever attempt to upgrade it? Upgrade their entire IT infrastructure the way the components are connected to each other, etc. Or would they just keep it as it is because it works? You know, don't break it, don't fix it. How is it? That's dependent on the budget and how, how much the owner would like the owner, to change. Yeah. And also, you know, 
for the chief engineer to say, we need to change this and we need to change that. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's how it is. And it's ugly because, for example, you, you've got the chief engineer who sends a request. Okay, I need to upgrade our IT system, or our racks, our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. What do I need? So you go and do a site survey, you see, yeah, you need to change all of your wiring. Yeah, you need to basically rebuild the boat from scratch. And the question <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's difficult, it's difficult because, you, you know, in a, it's not just a cable. And at the end, the, I, the, the network, it's irrelevant to the whole structure of the boat and the whole other systems of yeah. the boat, the entertainment, it's, it's nothing. What about but some... Uh, to do that job, you need to open half a boat, glance. Yeah, so uh, so I guess that the people basically, let's say, they stand properly on the ground. They, they won't, uh, let's say, try to do things which simply aren't financially feasible, let's say. Or yeah, even but, the, but there, are, there are people who they, uh, they really go for it. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they just pull cables on top of the ceilings, a couple mm -hmm. of... It's done. Yeah, that's interesting. What about uh, the have you noticed an, uh, let's say, uh, maybe drone protection mechanism? I think that quite a lot of boats are being charted to celebrities, and those people really value their privacy, as the one wrong photo can basically ruin their entire career. Have you seen uh, some boats that uh, have introduced some kind of security measures in that case? For example, some. Uh, let's say, anti-drone system that will take care of uh, potential paparazzi trying to um, destroy the privacy of the gas or the moment. Yes, I, I have been on a, uh, a vessel mm -hmm. and um, we had absolutely anti-privacy. It, it was um, absolutely, you, you can't even walk up the gangway anti um photographic it was really quite quite yeah i already already imagine what about the radio cannon who can shoot down a, a drone you know flying we had a situation this is this was this was a funny one for you um and um you know to probably end our our conversation and uh, sure. so I was um, I was doing a, a, a tree sale you know it was a, it was a, a trial and uh, we had to go at four knots seven knots 15 knots 20 knots mm -hmm. so the ETA called me up he said chief so on that boat, we had 50 engineers, you know, um, 50 crew um, and 12 engineers. He said, how, you how, how, how is it going down there? I said, yeah, it's great. I said, how is your drone? He said, oh, it's not doing so well. Can you slow down? <laughs> so I, I said, we're on a sea trial. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, we can, 
I guess uh, finish the podcast with the positive aspect. Is normally so, I'm trying to keep it under 30 minutes, but as we had two wonderful mm-hmm. guests this time. So I'm in, the, I'm in the engine control room, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm monitoring all of the all of the data, and I've mm-hmm. got the engineers doing every you know monitoring the data and the <laughs> the easier. Ah, chief, he said, I've just lost a drone. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they tell us a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah you could have slowed down. No. <laughs> he, he said, Chief, can you slow down? I said, no. And then there was another time I was coming across the Atlantic and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, had to, I had to be in Gibraltar. Yep. The Caribbean. So the captain was a lovely guy, actually. Mm-hmm. And Richard, how's things going downstairs? I said, oh, no, not a problem at all. So I'm adjusting the potentiometer. So we're doing like 19 knots now. And he said, we're making great speed. With, with the Atlantic in a day less than he, he planned. <laughs> I kept tweaking the potentiometers under the um, under the under the main the main engines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, oh. If you have another interesting service like that, feel free to share them. I think oh, the guys. I'm sure. Yeah, lovely to speak to you. Thank you guys for uh, coming by. To be honest, I really appreciate it. You can expect this podcast to be uploaded, I guess, around uh, two weeks from now. And uh, yeah, thank you once again for coming by. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye.